myself. So next we're going to have Cheyenne um, come up and uh, give a testimony. So if you want to give her a warm round of applause. I get really nervous in front of people, so hopefully I can do this without looking too dumb. Um, so <laughs> it's okay, Vicki. When Beck said something about talking, um, my mind just scrambled. I was like, I could tell all kinds of stories. I could say this, I could say that, but I wanted something that meant something, you know, like something with meaning, and I just kind of mind blanked. And I kept thinking of something. I was like, but it's not really Sunday morning material. What? Why do I say this? So it might be a little different, but um, so going back about, I don't know, five, six years ago, uh, Nev was working nights, and so he would leave, and the kids would go to bed at about the same time, and I would have those, you know, hours to just spend time in Bible reading and prayer, and it became a really intimate time for me, very special, um, and then, you know, if there's anything consistent in our world, it's that it changes, and... Um, his job changed. He's not working nights. We moved twice since then, added three kids since then. And, you know, that time of day just kind of disappeared. And I felt frustrated and um, almost disillusional sometimes. Like, I can't get this back. I, I don't have this intimate time with God. Where, where did it go? How do I do this? What do I do? Um, and so I, I seesaw, like, I get guilty and feel like I need to um, get this time back. I need to spend more time with God again. And so I'd try and it'd kind of fall flat because we'd have a sick kid, um, schedules would change. And I, it, I just kind of like went through this a lot. And then a couple of weeks ago I said, Beck, can you sit down with me and teach me to study the Bible? Tell me, tell me what you know. You know a lot. Um, I really like how you present things and you know things. Teach me. So we sat down. He went through some different things that he does. And I was like, I know all this already. I, I actually know how you do this. But I didn't really put it all together in a Bible study for me um, to really comprehend and know what is the Bible actually telling me. Um, so I went home and I was like, what do, where do I start? And I was like, well, I have this question that I've had for years. I'll just start right there. And as it, I did what he said is you take the verse and you take the chapter, then you take the book. And I, pretty soon I'm studying history of the first century. I'm studying Corinth. I'm studying Paul. And before I even get done, I haven't even gotten to the passage that I was questioning. I already know the answer because I have so much background. And I got to thinking, you know, it's, it's okay that I didn't do this background study back when I was learning other things. That was a season I needed to learn um, God's voice. I needed to learn to pray. I never prayed like that before where you, you're pacing the floor, you're flat on your face. Um, I learned those things then, and now I'm learning something totally new. And another thing I thought of is, what if all of us would study like that? What would a church look like if every single one of us got serious like that and really, really studied comprehensively, um, you know, went through the background, went through every word and looked it up in the Greek, went through everything, writing it out, instead of just coming to church and letting somebody else tell us what it says. The strength and a power that could come out of the church if we if we studied like this, like I'm learning to do. I should have done this a long time ago. I was like, wait, I've been a Christian a lot longer than Beck has, but he knows so much more than me, and that that's a cry and shame. So I'm challenged to catch up with him and give him a run for his money. I don't know if I can, but that's my goal, and my challenge to you is to do the same. So... Oh, one more thing that I thought of saying is um, if you think, well, I don't know how. I'm, I'm nothing. Um, I'm a nobody. In this world's eyes, I'm a nobody. I did not finish high school. I never went to college. I never had a career. I have never done anything great in this world. I'm just a mom. I'm a full-time homeschool, stay-at-home mom. That's all. So if I can go back and study, I can do Google search and look up Blue Letter Bible, anybody can. Am I supposed to tell people to get up and say hi? 
You know, we're worshiping the Lord. He wants you to just fall in love with Him. Fall in love. Fall in love with the Father who gave absolutely everything that you might have life. He came to give it to us and give it to us more abundantly. Amen. And you know, for me, I'll I, I just be honest with you. Sometimes I feel like I take my salvation for granted because I know that I'm saved. I know my name's written in the book of life. But I want to serve God with all my heart with all my soul with all my might yes when I say that I want to say I love you God I love you Father I love you for giving your son that I can have eternal life I love you that you kept me on this earth to tell people about Jesus I love you that I can holler and scream and say Jesus is my Lord Jesus is my Savior I don't care what anybody else thinks praise God anyway praise God because he is the reason I'm alive today yeah, yeah, we could say, well, yeah, good for you, Tony, because you're not in my place, but I have been there. I've been in a place sometimes where I just sometimes want to give up, but I'm not going to do that because he never gave up on me. He never gave up on me. On, he still man. won't give up on me. He still keeps putting himself out there for me so that I can sit here and continue to go forth and say, I love Jesus. And I know people will sit there and they say, well, I got a problem the way you do that. Say, you know what? That's your problem. Make it a blessing. And just say, thank you, Father, for all that you do in my life. Yes. And you know, that's one thing that Jesus said. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love Him. Because He indwells in us. Yes, Let people know. Let people know that Jesus is Lord and He is God. Forget what they think. Just let them know. Because they need to know. They need to hear the Word of God. They need to hear from your lips that Jesus is Lord. They need to hear that. And a lot of us, I know we, 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 we live in an environment, we work in an environment that where they say, well, you can't. Well, that's too bad because they can F-bomb all they want. They can say all these other words they want. But when you say Jesus, they get offended. Well, that's too bad. That's too bad. And I, I finally just got fed up with these people saying, well, I don't like the way you tell me. Too bad. I'm Tony Wilson. What are you going to do? Beat me up? You know, I love God. He's my Savior. Come on. You know, oh, no, I'm no. not going to sit here and, and be a baby about it anymore. I'm going to tell people that Jesus loves you, and that's all there is to it. And if they don't like it, that's too bad, because they tell you how they feel. They even tell you what bus to get off on. But right now, all I'm going to tell you, get on this bus. This is yeah. the bus to heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give God a clap off. Father, we thank you so much for that word. But Lord, that just, it, it just fits. But Lord, even for us to be able to portray your love and be a good representation of that every day in every situation, every building we walk into, that's what you want us to do is put on that, that love. Lord, in order for us to do that, we have to know and believe and receive your love. So this morning, Father, off of what has been, you've spoken through Tony today. You just want us to know, Lord, that you love us. You just want us to know that, hey, I am on your mind. <laughs> Father, you have Alex on your mind. God, I thank you for that. Thank you that you have every person in here on your mind. And Lord, to the point where it pains you, to the point where it gives you joy, it's, it's an emotional thing. I thank you for that, Lord. But Lord, you want to speak to us today. You want us to get revelation today. And I pray for that this morning is that there would be some type of revelation this morning in our heart, Father, that can only come from you. That can only come from your word. Something you would say to us today, Father, that would change us. Father, we love you. We need you. Be in this room. Holy Spirit, be in this room. Church, agree with me on that one. Holy Spirit, be here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated this morning. You can be seated. Yeah. Lord wants to do some things this morning. Amen. You know, I, uh, I find myself saying that every Sunday. He wants to do some things, whatever those things are. Usually it's things, right? Whatever those things are, he wants to do them. Um, 
Let's, let's leave room for that. I'm, sometimes I get up here and I say the same thing over and over and over, and that's okay with me. Um, not as if I'm not progressing in my relationship with the Lord, I'm not saying that. But these things that we come back to are things that need to be looked at, I feel like, every single, every single Sunday. So when I say the Lord's doing something, it's because He is. Amen. And what was last week was for last week. But what's for today is for today. And when I say, let the Lord open up through the Scripture your heart, so that revelation can come so he can speak to you and change you. I may say that every Sunday, but amen. What was for last Sunday was for last Sunday. What for today is for today. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. You could have spent your time anywhere else. But you choose to be here with us on this uh, Thanksgiving week, um, holiday week. I trust everybody will be signing up for a gym membership or something like that, I know that I have to put in double time because I ate way too much, way too much. But we'll, we'll, we'll close up chapter 11 today. Um, and in this, what has gotten us to this point? Last week was a, was a big message, not only for me individually, but I felt like it, it brought us back to, to the truth of, of just God's word being spoken to us. Paul uses this example, or he references Elijah in the Old Testament. And Elijah's story, one of many, him having an encounter with 450 prophets of Baal on this mountain, gets to a point where he's running from these, running from, excuse me, Queen Jezebel, because after the power of the Lord lit this altar on fire. Uh, he killed all the prophets, all right? And Jezebel didn't like that, so he's running from this, this woman, from this king, finds himself in a cave. And this is 40 some odd days later, and the Lord knows why he's there. He knows why he's there. He feels as though he has failed because he's a prophet. He's supposed to speak God's word. And he gets into this cave and he, this, this cry to the Lord. Anybody ever cried out to the Lord before? If you have, say amen. amen. Oh, yeah, everybody, everybody better be saying amen on that one. <laughs> but he's crying out to the Lord saying, I'm the only one left. And God is like, oh, no, you're not. But he brings the wind, he brings an earthquake, and he brings fire. And he shakes this mountain. But in the scripture it says that God wasn't in any one of those. What it does say is that a still small voice or a gentle blowing came after those three powerful acts of God. And in that gentle blowing, the Lord said to Elijah, why are you here? Being able to be undone by a still small voice in the midst of turmoil, uh, fear. I love the song that we first sang that we're no longer slaves to fear. Fear no longer gets a choice. Amen? Yeah, we can take a deep breath and just let that one go. Amen. I, saw, I heard it over here. That's why I commented on it, right? Fear is, is something that is, um, it's almost make-believe. Fear is a product of situations that haven't even happened yet. Or circumstances that aren't even happening now. But for whatever we, reason, fear causes us to come to a conclusion before we've even got to the end of the road. We're no longer slaves to that. But all that to say that in the first part of chapter 11, Paul uses this example with Elijah to say, hey, I have 7,000 that I have saved. 7,000 who what? Were undone by a still small voice. So I don't want you to be fearful because your work my work through you worked. Does that make sense? God's work through you is working. But are we willing to be undone by a still small voice? So Paul brings us all the way up to chapter, excuse me, verse 25 with that. And we get into our text today, which is uh, Romans 11, 25 through 36. And I also put in there as part of the text, Romans 1, 1 through 7, and verse 16. Now, there's a reason for that. 
Because when we get up to this, to the end of, of chapter 11, Paul is pretty much done talking about salvation. He spends his entire time from chapter 1 all the way up into the end of chapter 11 speaking about righteousness through faith. Salvation. It cannot be attained by works. It cannot be... Um, yeah, you, your, your ticket into to heaven doesn't come by the amount of um, people you've helped cross the street or the groceries that you've delivered. Uh, anything. Spends his entire time, 1 through 11, speaking about that. After this chunk of scripture, he's kind of done talking about it. We get into um, a famous chapter in Romans, chapter 12. It talks about service. It talks about the conduct of a Christian. Not only in our, our actions, but in how we think. Um, so you guys with me up until this point? Alright. The reason why I got those two sets of scriptures in there is because... I get interested when a thought is ended as like a bookend. I want to go back and see if there was something that would connect on the other side, the other bookend. So a beginning and an end, just like an introduction and a conclusion to talking about this thing called salvation. Let me read these scriptures and then I'll kind of explain this title here. Um, but you guys with me this morning? Amen. I keep saying that and I keep... I just want to hear it, okay? Makes me feel secure as a preacher. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So verse 25, it says this. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved. Just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion and he will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Verse 28. From the standpoint of the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. I love this verse. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable or uh, Irrevocable? However you want to say it. There's a couple different ways to say that. All right. I'm just going to say irrevocable because that's Alex's dictionary. And that's how we're going to do it this morning. Verse 30. For just as you once were disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience. So these also now have been disobedient that because of the mercy shown to you, they also may now be shown mercy. For God has shut up all in disobedience so that he may show mercy to all. And in verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it may be paid back to him again? And then the final verse of chapter 11. For from him and through him and to him all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. So we get through talking about salvation. Unbelief and its consequences. Paul turns his attention to the Jews, saying you should be a good representation. Paul turns his attention to the Gentiles and says the way that you live should be a representation of Christ being in you. And then he ends this whole section, if I want to say, say that correctly, with bringing it back to the focal point of the gospel. Amen? The focal point of the gospel. If you were to turn with me all the way back to Romans 1, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read these right quick. And it says this, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle set apart for the gospel of God, which he, big H, promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, there we go, who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God, with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through 
whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. Among you, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, to all who are beloved to, of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This title that we have up here, if we can get that back up on the screen. It says established by grace and cultivated by revelation. And I'm going to put this in there for a harvest of love. I want us to all understand in here that our salvation is obviously for a purpose. And that purpose is so that love, God is love, can come forward. And so that can be harvested. Our salvation is so that we can be a representation of who Christ is. And that can change people's lives. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest needs to come in. But if that harvest doesn't come in, and it's a good product, then we throw the harvest out. The harvest has to come in looking like love. Are you with me this morning? So, the first line says, established by grace. What is grace? Grace is the ability to do something that you cannot do on your own. If we're talking about salvation from uh, chapter 1 all the way up into 11, and Paul's about to kind of close this up, he's saying that what will establish you is something that you cannot do on your own. You cannot remedy sin. We cannot remedy sin. These are things that we, we all kind of know. We've heard a lot. So established by the ability to do something that you can't do on your own. Cannot remedy this sin in our life. Or the penalty, pay for the penalty of sin. So we are established by Jesus Christ. We're established by what he did on the cross. We're established by his love. We're established by his blood. Because that was a gracious gift. Amen? But this middle line right here, man, this is wrecking me. Anybody know what cultivated means? Let me say this. Let me go back up to established by grace and say, planted. Let's use all um, agricultural words. All right? I'm just going to change the title on the fly. <laughs> Planted a seed, right? Planted by grace. You accepted Christ, man. You were planted in the ground. He tilled that soil. He planted you in there. And we'll get to a reference here that is just going to bring that to life even more. But this word cultivated, do we know what cultivated means? Cultivated means to develop, to grow, to tend to for the sake of becoming healthy. A farmer can't go out on his uncultivated ground and plant and expect to get a harvest. The cultivation comes every single day. The cultivation comes by being um, cognizant of what is happening in the fall, the summer, the spring, the winter for a farmer to be able to produce something that is, I don't know, worth selling, worth giving. Are you guys with me this morning? But when it says cultivated by revelation, I want you to hang on to that word. Not only am I individually being undone by a still small voice, <laughs> but this revelation, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to hear it from anyone else. I want to hear it from God. Are you with me? Do you want to hear it from Him, His voice? Or are we more interested in hearing it from our comfortability? Are we more interested in hearing it from a place of, well, this is what I think. This is how it should look. I want to hear the revelation straight from Jesus' mouth. Because anything else would leave me uncultivated. Anything would leave me, anything else would leave me untended to. It would leave the soil untilled. Are we getting this picture? Now, the reason why I'm going to stop on this word revelation here is because after an entire book of talking about salvation, he starts with Jesus and he ends with Jesus. He starts saying, here's the focal point. 
Through him, all of this is going to come to fruition. And he ends in these verses saying, verse 33 through 36, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable, catch that one, are his judgments and unfathomable are his ways. How unsearchable and unfathomable. I can't even say that right. I just started and don't even finish it. <laughs> unfathomable. There we go. <laughs> that is such a massive statement in the scripture. And to end with that, I think, is, is, is very interesting. That if we jump back up to verse 25, and he talks about, I don't want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation. So that we will not glean wisdom. We will not harvest wisdom from our own estimation. Here's how it's supposed to be set out. Here's how it's supposed to look. I'm uncomfortable. So I don't want to be uncomfortable, and I'm going to pack myself with things that will make me comfortable, even if it's not Jesus. Our own estimation. He continues by saying this, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. A partial, hard, partial hardening. You know what? I don't know why God hardens people's heart. If you can figure that out, tell me. If you can figure out God's heart, his ways that are unfathomable, okay, his riches unsearchable, his mind that's unsearchable, then come and, come and tell me. But is it okay that in the, ver in the scripture it says that he has hardened people's hearts and we still love him just as much? We don't question every single word that's in the word. Are you with me this morning? And all of this is for a reason. It's for a reason. I'm going to shoot through these scriptures. And he says, Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. Hallelujah. Israel hasn't gotten a very good... A uh, picture of Israel hasn't been painted very well through the book of Rome, uh, Romans. Simply because it's their character that is kind of like, here's what not to do. Don't stiff arm God. <laughs> Just don't, because here's the result. But what he says in here is, you can't even fathom what it's going to look like when Israel wakes up. That's what we talked about last week. Imagine what it looks like when you walk in your fullness. Because if their loss was your gain, Gentiles, imagine what happens when they're found. If we're in a place right now where we're not really walking with the Lord as deep as we possibly could. Imagine what it would look like when you're undone by a still small voice and you are cultivated by this word. You're tended to, you're built up by this word called revelation. Revelation from where? Revelation from that book you read the other day? Revelation from a quote you saw going across your news feed? Whatever social media platform it was? Or revelation from Jesus himself? to you, on your knees, speaking to you in that still small voice. We're established by grace. But the only thing that's going to cultivate us is not somebody coming and telling me about Christ. We're supposed to do that. We are. Okay? We're going to read that in 1 Corinthians here in a second. That it's our job to water. It's our job to help each other out. It's our job to be influential in each other's lives. But it's only God who causes growth. It's only revelation that causes growth. Does anybody in here want revelation this morning? Man, I need it. Y'all need it? Okay. My goodness. But let's continue through these verses really quick before we get to some of these cross-references. He says he will save all of Israel because he promised it. He said the deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. His promise still remains. His promise still remains. 
Verse 28. It says, From the standpoint of the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. Your being the Gentiles, they being the Jews. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. From the standpoint of the gospel, the Jews having rejected the gospel, they're enemies of the gospel. But from the standpoint of God's choice. I don't know about you guys, but that's, that's revelatory in nature for me. From the standpoint of what it looks like, here's the outcome. But from the standpoint of what God says, here's what it is. Does that make sense? From the standpoint of what he says, here is what it is. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Man. You ever see somebody just not living right? And you want to say to them, God might take that away from me if you don't get right. That's kind of like a salvation by intimidation <laughs> statement. <laughs> now, we've preached through this book that the Lord will give you over to your lustful desires. He'll give you over to your disobedience. It doesn't mean that he separates himself from you or you're separated from the love of Christ. We read that in chapter 8, right? But he will let you live, in essence, without him to see what it really feels like. You want that so bad? Okay, go ahead and have it. I still love you. I'm still here when you come back. When you come back. Not if, when. Okay, he's going to get you, all right? <laughs> but these gifts, you see somebody living and it's like, wow, the Lord is just, he's going to take that off of you. You know, you know consider this. I believe the, the, the reason this scripture is in here is for conviction's sake. That you can get so far away from God but those gifts are still in you and they're still working and you can't get away from them and you don't know why you still operate out of them and you're doing everything you can to go to the other side of the spectrum, guess what? You can't get away from what God put in you. These gifts are irrevocable because he's going to get out of you what he put in you. Are you with me this morning? I don't... God is a God of judgment as much as he is a God of love. Love it. All right? He can do with that what he pleases. But I'm just asking for us to consider this morning that he leaves them in there for conviction's sake, if we're off in left field. He leaves them in there because he put them in there for a purpose. He left them in there because when he speaks, it's the gifts that begin to come up. It's that which is in you that is Christ begins to stir. Amen? Hey, trying to come strong this morning. And then Paul starts talking about mercy. For just as you once were disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience. Once Gentiles, you didn't know Christ. But now you do because the Jews rejected the gospel. So these, verse 31, also have now been disobedient that because of the mercy shown to you, they also may now... Uh, be shown mercy. For God has shut up all in disobedience so that he may show mercy to all. I love this, this scripture because uh, again it kind of pokes a hole in, in, in people who say God's going to in essence withhold mercy from some people and give it to some people. We preach the entire chapter 9 um, which is a hot hot chapter. Sometimes in some translations, chapter 9 in Romans is omitted just because it's so controversial it's around this word called predestination. But the Lord, He reserves the right to do whatever He wants. And the question again, I'll say, is that okay with us? Is that okay with you? Is it okay that He's going to do what He's going to do His way and our attitude that comes after that is still one of love, even when it's not something that's comfortable for us to do. The harvest, ladies and gentlemen, has to be love. The revelation has to be, he will be God all the time, in every situation. He's going to get me, he's going to get you, and it's all going to work out for the good of those who love him. Amen? That revelation, ladies and gentlemen, is, is what should push us.
It's what should push us. And then this, this final, this final kind of conclusion here of this. It said, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable are his ways. And then here we go with verse 35, 34 and 35. These are the ones that kind of smack you in the face. I read these and was like, oh. The Lord put a little bit of a like dagger right there and just slowly kind of pushed it in, you know. <laughs> Hurts when you find yourself being what Scripture tells you not to be. But here's what it says. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who became his counselor? Anybody ever tried to counsel God before? God, this is, just let it happen this way. Make my situation turn out. Show them. Let them, bring them to. You can't counsel God. All he asks you to do is be in his presence 24-7 and respond to the calling. Your purpose is to be with him. Your calling, he'll speak that to you. But to speak back to God as if we're trying to counsel him. Man, that's diagnostic in nature. Love does not come from that. Protecting ourselves comes from that. We will protect ourselves from each other. We end up hurting each other. But here, it says, Or who has first given him that it might be paid back to him again? What gift have we given the Lord that he owes us something? He doesn't owe us anything. He does not owe me a thing. And then the final verse, for him, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Brings it all the way back to saying, look, the only voice that should get recognition in your life is Christ. When it comes to the end all be all. Are you with me? I was watching this movie. I won't tell you the title of the movie, but it's just a snippet in time where this king is talking to his, his queen, and he says, man, somebody said something, this messenger from another king, and it's just it's really affecting me. He's up at night, and it's, it's causing him to lose sleep. And his queen talks to him, says something to him, and says, why would any other voice in this world affect you that way but mine? Now, that's a, an earthly how do I say it, um, analogy. But it paints this picture that a significant role in this man's life is the only one that should cause him to lose sleep. But let's put it in to God terms. The only word that should cause you to lose sleep is Christ's and Christ's alone. To be convicted by him, undone, by a still small level at the, the base of your relationship with him. It is all about Jesus. Cultivated by this re revelation. Now if you can, let's turn to these cross-references real quick. I got to kind of hustle here. Let's go to uh, Hebrews 4.11 through 14 first. The reason why we put it so small on the uh, screen is so that you will bring your Bible, okay? And you will read it yourself. <laughs> but here's what this says. I think I put the right one in there. Did I say 411? Man, I just got you guys all over the place. I, I, I think it, it happens every week that I think I send the right thing and I don't. I don't send it at all. It's Hebrews 511 which is up there, but in the bulletin it says 411. Okay? So just scribble it out. All right, 511. And it says this. Concerning him, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing, it would be a travesty. You heard Cheyenne get up here and say that life circumstances kind of got a little bit busy. 
And that time that we spent hearing God's voice kind of got pushed off to the side. We can become dull of hearing. We can become dull to this revelation. Revelation from Jesus Christ. After that, it says this in verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you. The elementary principles of the oracles of God. You know what that's saying? You should have learned something by now. I should have known. When I become dull of hearing, it shows that I need to go back to square one. This harvest of love, that's what my mind should be pushed towards. There's people who walk in the room sometime and I'm like, hey, I'm going to go over here. But when this love comes out, man, we deny ourselves and Christ comes forward. That's what changes lives. Again, verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food. What is the solid food, ladies and gentlemen? It's this word that starts with an R and ends with revelation. Okay? Revelation. That is the solid food we need to be chewing on. Continue in these verses. Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. For if for he is an infant here we go. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. You know why else we need revelation? To discern what is right, what is wrong. What is good, what is evil. Here we go. What is life and what is death. Not what is gray. Not what is on the fence. Not what can we get away with. Not what can I do to make myself comfortable. Life and death, good and evil. Black and white. And then let's turn to 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. So we begin to close today. Let's get the worship team back up here and get ready for our offering. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. It says this right here. says, what then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Christ planted, uh, or, or Paul, excuse me, planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. We have a Christian duty to influence each other. We do. We have a Christian duty to rub shoulders with one another. Because there's the horizontal, excuse me, vertical relationship that we have with Christ. Just me and God. But there's also this horizontal relationship. Which is a picture of the cross. But when revelation isn't something that comes by way of the spirit, by way of the word, by way of God. We end up being cultivated in a way that is almost fake in nature. It's a, it's a counterfeit but ladies and gentlemen, this morning when revelation comes from Him, we're no longer chewing on milk, but solid food. And we bring in this harvest that looks just like Christ. Paul begins with that in chapter 1, and he ends with it, saying, I've said all I needed to say to you Gentiles, to you Jews, but it's going to be Jesus. And I'm saying to you guys, no matter what message you've heard in all of your time at church, youth groups, um, conferences, anything like that, does it boil down to, are you willing to be undone by a still small voice 
and let the revelation of Christ change your life. Let the revelation that comes from Him change who you are. I know there's some people in here today who need that revelation. You need God to speak. You need Him to. That's only going to come by quieting your soul. We surround ourselves by so many gadgets, so many just bells and whistles and racket. But some of us know, man, as soon as I get quiet, I know he's going to speak. <laughs> so let me just keep this up. Let's keep the stuff going. You know? <laughs> he wants to speak to you. And he wants to change you. And I think he wants to do that now. I think he wants to do it when you walk out of here. I think he wants to do it tomorrow morning. I think he wants to do it to all the time. Are you with me today? Yeah. Established and planted by grace. But cultivated, tended to, and, and grown by revelation. For a purpose. So that when you walk into any building, any situation... People see nothing but Jesus. Nothing. Amen. Let's come up here. Let's pray for this offering. You can go ahead there, Jared. Father, thank you for what you're doing this morning. Lord, you are the only one who can change our heart. And Lord, any voice that's louder than yours, Father, I pray that we repent from that walk the other way. Lord, we want to be completely submitted to you this morning. So thank you for what you're saying to us. Thank you for your word. I pray that we, yes, can dive into it on our own. And Lord, you can bring that revelation according to what you say. We can leave our uncomfortableness or... or, or contrary spirit to the to the wayside Father we pray for this offering we just pray that you would bless it Lord we pray that what you would put uh, what gets put in there would bless you and, and glorify you as an act of, of worship and obedience um, because Father you don't want us to give so that you can just take you want us to give so you can give back I love that you operate that way so, Father, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can go ahead and pass that. Oh, and uh, I did Irish language lessons before I went, and so I could speak their lingo. Um, actually, I got over there, and people said, we love your accent. And I thought, I don't have one. They have an accent. But I went to the first event on a Saturday night, and it was like our Sunday night. There was worship, and then there was uh, prayer. And then they, uh, for those who wanted to go out, you'd go out and meet people and minister to people on the streets. Loved that. Enjoyed that. Um, and through the evening, you know, it took 30-some hours to get to Ireland. Um, and, man, you know, you, your body has to adjust. But I was sitting in that meeting on Saturday night. I'd gotten there the evening before. And man, this word hit me about harvest. And then we went to their Sunday morning service. Uh, they, have a, they don't have a building yet. They've been in church 20 years. They don't have a building yet. Um, but they have a really strong ministry where they're at. But they sang a song. And in the song, somebody, had, in, the local, somebody in their worship group had written this song. And the song was about Jericho and the walls. And it was about a breakthrough. Um, so was, I, I didn't go over there for a big ministry trip. I just had the opportunity to meet people. But I had a chance to sit down with their pastor. The pastor's from the States, actually. He's been there 20 years. And uh, I said, you know, I, I, I'm not here to give you a big word, but I've got one for you. And the word was about this harvest because if you recall the account in the Bible about Jericho, which way did the wall fall when it fell? It fell in. 
If the wall has fell out, it's just rubble you have to climb over to get into the city. It's just a different kind of wall. If the wall just fell down, it would have just been a shorter, crumbly wall. But the wall fell in, but the wall, it became a way in. For so many of us, like them, we have planted and cultivated so much, <clears throat> and yet we don't see some of the things that, as we read in Scripture, those expectations, uh, and we don't see them being met. And so, for some of us, we just continue in the planting and the cultivating. Or, sometimes we get dissuaded, and we start dumbing down what we're supposed to be looking for. See, the, when Alex read that this morning, it says, how much of Israel is going to be saved? A-L-L. Seems unlikely, doesn't it? Because we're dealing with human beings. But I really believe God is exhorting us this morning through the, through the message and through the scriptures that we need to be prepared for the harvest. We need to have a view to the harvest. And we think, well... The reciprocity. Don't you look for that? You, you know, you pour into people and then you look for them to swing the door back and then they, they kind of don't. <laughs> or they get preoccupied or we, you know, it seems like, oh man, it's like, a, you know, all this love effort and then you don't see anything back and we think, oh man. And, and we begin to relate that to either our ability to plant or cultivate or whatever else and, and there's a temptation to draw back. And man, that's wrong. God didn't just put so much of himself in us, and if we spend it all, that's all we got. He put everything in us. See, we're only built when we build. We're only cultivatable ourselves when we're out cultivating. That's what gives us the tender heart. And we need to maybe stop looking for what we would think would be a success from our own point of view. And just keep putting it out there. Not to run out. Because the Bible says we sow weeping, doesn't it? It says in Psalms, Proverbs. But we're going to bring the harvest in with rejoicing. So, a practical piece. To be able to have a view to harvest. And go back to those scriptures that moved you when you first became a believer. Take a look at what he said. Take a look at the rock you were cut out of. Take a look at the perspective of Jesus that God gave you. And then begin to let kind of the big picture be restored. And allow yourself to become harvesters by faith. Because that wall is going to fall. And you're going to find that way in. But you can't wait till it falls and then figure out what's next. You have to see it now. Yeah. You guys receive that? Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we close. Uh, God, we want revelation. And we need revelation even on how to continue. Continue to cultivate, plant all of the Father. But Lord, we want eyes that are like yours. We want ears So I pray that as we go from this place, Father, that's what we will be concentrating on. Trying to hear what you're saying. Trying to see you like you see. So Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You guys are free to go.